so kind to stand, we'll glean from the Word of God together recorded in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 11. I want to read a few verses. I said to our guest in the rear this morning that we have a policy here. That is that we never address people as visitors, only as our special guest. And that after three services, we adopt you. So you become a part of who we are. I believe the Lord is looking for such that would say I'm willing to be that vessel that could be used by you. It just never ceases to amaze me the timeliness of God and how that Brother Jacobs and I have not had any previous conversation yet still the Lord impresses on his heart in a little devotional this morning to the body of believers who are going through adversity going through some challenges so again we give God all the glory the honor and the praise for allowing us to assemble the book of Hebrews chapter number 11 if you're there shout I got it you come and say I'll be there in a minute Amen. The word of the Lord reads in our hearing, verse number 24. Verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Verse 28, by faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. But I would love to use a subject text or thought today in your hearing. The refusal, the refusal, standing strong in adversity, standing strong in adversity. To refuse something means that we express ourselves as unwilling to accept. It means that we either deny or reject something. Adversity can be classified or even defined as hardships, difficulties, or even misfortune. But there's one common denominator that links the great influences recorded in the Bible when it comes to taking a stand against adversity. You might say in the presence of God today in this great crowd of witnesses, well, pastor, what would that common denominator be? It would be faith. Faith is the common denominator that linked all the great influences of the Bible together when it was time to take a stand against adversity. Faith. I couldn't help but remember 
the stand that a great woman in this country took many years ago. And recently read an article where in Montgomery, Alabama, a statue was erected in her honor exactly 64 years after the date that she was arrested for refusing to move to the back of a bus. Anybody know who I'm talking about? That would be the great Rosa Parks. Oftentimes we hear the outlying part of that story when we really don't understand uh, segregation that was taking place during that time. And a lot of people misunderstand why Rosa wouldn't give up her seat on that city bus. Well, oftentimes we walk into a place like this, saints of God, during a funeral, and there may be a sign attached to a seat that says reserved. Everybody listening? In the Montgomery, Alabama city public transportation, all races of people could ride the same bus. The problem was there was a reserve section for blacks and non-Caucasians. Everybody with me? What the bus driver noticed that day is that stop after stop, the bus kept filling up. So he took it upon himself to stop and to move the sign. Everybody follow So in other words, as more Caucasian people boarded the bus, that meant that there was less room for blacks, and non-Caucasians. So this gentleman proceeded to move that sign and then ask Rosa Parks to give up her seat so that Caucasian people could sit down. Everybody with me? And how many are glad that day that Rosa chose not to give up that seat? And when asked why she didn't, she said, I don't believe I should have to. Y'all ain't getting this. But what linked Rosa to the great influential characters of the Bible was her faith in God. You see, this wasn't a snap judgment decision. Rosa made that decision based on her upbringing. Hello, somebody. She had a loving family that nurtured her in the truths of the word of God. As a matter of fact, she took her Bible with her about everywhere she went. Now, at that time, history says, saints, that there were about 40,000 people uh, that used the public transportation system in Montgomery, Alabama. That bus driver stopped that bus because Rosa refused to give up that seat, and he called the authorities, and the authorities arrested Rosa. It resulted in a 381-day boycott of the public transportation system in Montgomery, Alabama. You want to get a person's attention, hit them in the pocketbook. Hello? Isn't that how we think? Well, guess what? Her decision not to forfeit her seat prompted a Supreme Court ruling that did away with that kind of behavior. Somebody ought to say, thank God. All because Rosa Parks refused to see herself anything other than an equal with all human beings. Do you know that in the sight of God there are no little lies and big U's? And that we're all significant. We're all of the same importance in the sight of God. 
I wish I had some help in here. When unveiling that statue, Governor Kay Ivey in Alabama said no person ever stood so tall as did Rosa Parks when she sat down. This was just days ago, friend. This was just days ago. But thank God she refused to be called anything else other than an equal. In our text today, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Y'all ain't want to hear me. The Bible said he made a conscious choice. He made a decision to choose to suffer the affliction of God than enjoy the limited pleasures of sin. Help me, Holy Ghost. Somebody ought to thank God today for faith. Thank God for faith, the common denominator that links us together. And that faith is the faith to stand against adversity. The biblical definition of the word faith is belief, trust, and or loyalty to a person or a thing. We like to call it complete confidence. And right here in the 58th book of the Bible, the book of Hebrews, that records the faith hall of fame, we understand that Moses was a front runner in faith. Amen. We discover that Rosa Parks attributed her faith to the upbringing, the raising by her grandparents. She said it was her faith that gave her the courage to refuse to give up her seat. Rosa Parks was a woman devoted to her faith. And in her autobiography, Quiet Strength, Rosa quotes this. Prayer in the Bible became a part of my everyday thoughts and beliefs. Rosa's faith taught to her by her grandparents gave her the strength that undergirded her activism as an adult. You say, preacher, we shouldn't get involved in political matters. We shouldn't be uh, associating ourselves with things that create rift and bring division. No, you got to understand that Martin Luther King Jr. stood for the equal rights of all human beings. Amen? Martin Luther King didn't have anything in him that promoted the idea of hate. It was love and respect for humankind. I don't know if you've looked around, but I'm a colored person. Hello? How many of you are a colored person in this room today? We ought to thank God for Martin Luther King. We ought to thank God for Rosa Parks. My Lord, we ought to thank God for Jesus Christ. Hello? Thank God for the common denominator, Brother Marty, that linked these great influences of the Bible with heroes of today. Powerful story. Many of you might think Rosa Parks was the first lady that ever refused to give up her seat, but do a little homework, you'll find out she wasn't. But the truth of the matter is, the other lady was a whole lot more abrasive. The other lady took civil rights to a whole other level. Rosa didn't have a mean bone in her spirit. No, no, no. She was raised by God-fearing grandparents who loved the Lord and promoted, amen, the Bible as a belief system. We need more of that in our world today, don't we? Just like Rosa, Moses believed that God had reserved a greater wealth for him than all the treasures of Egypt. So what did Moses do? He refused. You say, Pastor, how could that be? That's all he had ever known. Have you ever felt like you weren't a part of this world? 
Uh-oh, y'all got real quiet. You're going to think somebody thinks you're Looney Tunes or you've lost your marbles. Come on, somebody. Have you ever felt like you just didn't belong here? Have you ever felt that you were on a temporary stay, that you were just a pilgrim and you were just passing through? Well, thank God that's what the Bible says in reference to us as a child of God. It says our citizenship is in heaven. How many know we were not put here to stay here? You say, preach it and heaven come to earth, not in the shape it's in. Not in the shape this earth is in. Heaven is coming to earth according to John the Revelator, but it's going to be a renovated earth. All sin and rebellion is going to be put down. Amen. And the glory of God will radiate this planet throughout eternity. That's right. Standing strong in the face of adversity. Here's something interesting I found out as I read verses 24 and 25. It's that many people succumb to temptation not because they want to, not because they want too much, but because they settle for way too little. Uh-oh, somebody wrote that down. Some people succumb to temptation not because they want too much, but because they settle for too little. My God, Moses' royal position offered all the enjoyment and the experiences of prestige and of power that most men in the world want. Amen. But the reality is, is those things only provide a momentary satisfaction and at best they are deceptive and they quickly pass away. Jason Crabb said, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. Moses made a conscious decision to suffer the affliction of his own people than to accept kingship in Egypt. Pastor, I don't understand. Well, I believe, saints of God, there was something in Moses. There was a driving force uh, that identified with Moses. You are not part of this group. You don't belong to, to this crowd. Amen? We're just pilgrims just passing through. Hallelujah. Let's consider Joseph and even Daniel as we think about of those great influential characters in the Bible. Did not both of these men have royal positions and prestige, but they still served God in total commitment? How about Joseph? He trickled down to the land of Egypt. They changed his name. Amen. He looked like a whole different person. Are you with me, somebody? But there was something on the inside of him that registered. You are not a part of this crowd. You don't belong with this group. Wrongly accused, thrown in prison, but kept his commitment to serve God. How about Daniel, exiled in the land of Babylon? Amen. Watched his buddies thrown in a fiery furnace. 
Would it have been easy for Daniel to abandon his faith and belief system and said, amen, I would rather enjoy the prestige and the power. I would rather enjoy the position and all the riches of the Babylonian empire than to be different. But no, the Bible said Daniel purposed in his heart that he wouldn't eat the meat that came from the king's table and even defile himself. Isn't that right? Standing strong in the face of adversity. My God, have there ever been a time in the existence of this country when we need to stand stronger than we need to stand today? I'm talking to the body of believers at Harvest Church. Has there ever been a more opportune time for us to stand up for what we believe than there is right now? Life is filled with all kinds of pressures. Am I right, saints? Life is filled with all kinds of pressures. But Moses made a conscious choice. Joseph made a conscious choice. Daniel made a conscious choice. I'm going to reject the royal position and the prestige while I devote myself to the service of the Most High God. How about David? The list could go on and on and on. Uh, Somebody, let's read Psalm 16 and 11. But here's something interesting uh, that these brothers discovered. Amen. This is David when he said, You will show me the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. Oh, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying, Amen. I'll take Jesus with me all the way because I understand, uh, Sister Murdoch, that that these momentary things, They're fleeing away. They're passing right before our eyes. And God's saying, I want to bless you forever and for eternity. How many would rather forsake the things of this world and have a lasting relationship with Jesus Christ? We're, We're called today. We're challenged today to make conscious choices. And whom are we going to serve? Whom are we going to pledge our loyalty to? Right? It's easy to blend in with the crowd that's clamoring to be heard. But it takes character, thank the living God, to stand up and to be different. It takes character. Here's something interesting that I discovered. A lot of people love to fault leadership. Listen, a lot of people love to point the finger at leadership when something just doesn't go right. When a church doesn't achieve its potential, folk love to point their finger at leadership. Let me tell you what Judas had. Judas had the best leader. Judas had the best teacher. Judas had the best counselor. He had the best advocate, but he still failed. You want to know why? Because his attitude, his character didn't align with his leader. Amen. His heart was in the wrong place. He was concerned about 30 pieces of silver that he could spend at the drop of a hat instead of all the glorious riches of heaven that would never lose their vow. Oh, God have mercy. Y'all missed one good place to shout. Amen. He chose to embrace 30 pieces of silver and waste the riches of eternal life with God in heaven. It's happening more than we know. 
it would absolutely numb us to know the people in this world that make conscious choices every day to reject Jesus Christ and embrace the mindset, philosophies, and policies of this world. Is it not happening at our front door? Yes, it is. But David said, Lord, it's you that will show me the path of life. And in your presence is fullness of joy. My God, somebody, is there any place you'd rather be? I, can, I need to hear. Listen, I'm a hollerback preacher. Y'all holler back at me. Is there any place you'd rather be than in the presence of God? I can't hear nobody. I can't hear nobody. Y'all got the spiritual lock, y'all, Larry and John. The song said, ain't no place I'd rather be than here in your presence. No place I'd rather. What I understand, Sister Tammy, is that when I get into God's presence, God's presence gets into me. Oh, Lord, have mercy, somebody. No place I'd rather be than in the very presence of God. Moses said, there's the good stamp of approval. Potiphar's wife said to Joseph, you good-looking thing, come on and lay with me. Isn't that right? I'm, you know, this is 21st century English. It's my sermon. Let me fix it. I'm paraphrasing. But that man had given Joseph the keys to everything in his house. History, not the Bible, history. History says that Zuleika, Potiphar's wife, she assembled the very elect women of Egypt one day just to look at Joseph. I mean, what's some of the words you girls use for good-looking guys now? Stud? She said stud. Hunk? I heard hunk. I hear the young girl say, he fine. He fine. I hear him say, he far. He, he far, F-A-R. No, that's Lumbee, F-I-R-E, he fire. Praise the Lord. I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> I thought I'd throw that out there at you. You know. But they looking at this man, and in their mind, they're thinking, ain't no way he's a human being. In an eye of faith, can't you see them sisters rubbing elbows? Nothing like, mm. You follow what I'm saying? No wonder this woman had this desperate need and desire to be intimate with Joseph. He looked too good to be a man. He must be an angel. Gave him everything, Brother Joey, in his house but his wife. This woman presented herself in a provocative manner. Come on, y'all. Help me now. Bat them big Maybelline eyelashes talking about come lay with me. Come, come lay with me. Cover girl makeup and all. Hello. And, no, I'm just having fun with y'all. But this woman's desire was to corrupt this servant of God. The master's not here. He's out doing something else. He got no business. And nobody won't ever, Joseph said, oh no, oh no, I will not do this thing and sin against God. 
It struck his heart so heavy, he ran clean out of his coat. Left it with her. And when the husband came home, she said, you know that Hebrew you brought in this house? That Hebrew you brought in this house, he tried to rape me. He tried to lay with me. He was falsely accused, sent to prison without a fair trial, but God gave the man favor in the prison. Y'all ain't listening to me. I said the Lord gave him favor in the prison. He was interpreting. How many of y'all know Joseph was a dreamer? And Joseph was interpreting dreams even in prison. He told the baker and the butler what was going to happen. And then he said to them, he said, I got one request. Amen. What's that one request, Joseph? Brother Charlie, when it's well with thee, uh, think on me. Amen. What Joseph was saying, amen, when you get bailed out of here and you're enjoying life to the fullest, make sure that you don't forget about old Joe. But what happened? They forgot about Joe. But guess who knew about him all along? I can't hear nobody. I said, guess who knew about Brother Joseph all along? God knew about Joseph all along, and God knew the desired plan that he had for Joseph's life. I want to bless somebody in the household of faith today and tell you, amen, it don't matter how bad it looks right now. God knows the plan that he has for you. It's already laid out. It's already designed. And in time, God will bring it to pass. The Bible said God promoted Joseph to the second in charge in the land of Egypt. They changed his name to Zaphnath Paneah. I like Joe myself, but they changed his name. He adopted the Egyptian culture. He looked like them. Married a wife from that land. But how many know in the process of time, the same brothers that sold him into slavery, Famine drove them to the land of Egypt. Oh my God, adversity. Adversity, hardship, difficulties, misfortune drove them right down to the land of Egypt. They're looking at their brother face to face and don't even realize it. I wish to God somebody would help me, but it's okay. Uh, they wanted to do away with Joseph because they were jealous of him. But in the long run, Joseph said, listen, uh, it's okay because what you meant for evil, it was God who, who turned it for good. I can't get one bit of help in here. What you meant for evil, God turned it for good. You tried to take me out. You tried to destroy me. It was you who sought my own life, but it was God who promoted me to the second in charge in all of it, a strange land, a land of which I had no connection. Amen, you tried to take me out, and God moved me up. God moved me up. Oh my God, ain't no place I'd rather be than in God's presence. How about Daniel? Oh yeah, how about Daniel? That Daniel could interpret some things too, couldn't he? Yeah. They having a ball at Belshazzar's feast when suddenly there appeared as a man's hand writing on the wall. They said, go get you. Go get your soothsayers. Go get your astrologers. Go get your magicians and see if they can tell you what it says. But nobody, nobody could understand. Oh, but thank God there were one in the province of Babylon. He said, I know a man. Oh, God, I know a man. Somebody said, go get old Daniel. 
Oh, Daniel, I'll tell you what it says. And the Bible said they summoned Daniel. Daniel stood before that hand writing on the wall. And Daniel began to interpret uh, to the king what the writing said. And he said, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Tekel, you have been numbered and found wanting. Daniel said, before the sun, it's coming up in the morning. This kingdom's going to be stripped from your hand. Let me tell you what you don't do, amen. You don't desecrate what belongs to God. You don't defile the sacred vessels that belong to God. And they were having a, a party making fun uh, that they had derailed the people of God. They were having themselves a ball until that hand started writing on the wall. Somebody said what did it say? I said in the 21st century the party is just about over. Hello? What happened before the sun rose? God had empowered another nation to move in and overthrow the Babylonians. Am I right? Amen. Ain't no place I'd rather be than in the presence of God. Won't the Lord preserve you in the face of it? I said, won't God keep you in the face of it? Can anybody testify to the fact today that you almost lost your mind, but God kept Can anybody testify that you almost went insane, but the Lord just rocked you to sleep? Come on, y'all, don't be ashamed now. Come on, hallelujah. How many could raise their hand and say right now, I almost gave up. How many can, how many can raise their hand and say that I almost gave up, but the long arm of the Lord reached way down and rescued me? Yeah, yeah, I refuse. I want to tell you, even though God permissively allowed the enemy to take everything Job had. Job said, I refuse to die broke. Hello? At 100 years old, Abraham said, I refuse to die childless. Y'all ain't getting this. Hello? How many have ever refused the enemy? How many have ever refused, amen, to take anything other than what God had already designed for you? It takes faith. It takes faith to stand strong in the face of adversity. Moses was well aware of the reproach. Hello, saints. I don't understand. Moses was keenly aware of the rebuke, the rebuke and disapproval that he would face for refusing to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So what would be safe to say? What would be safe to say is that he didn't jump quickly. He didn't, Brother Marty, he didn't make a snap judgment decision. But something tells me by faith that he had tossed this thing around in his mind for quite some time. You see, when he looked on the taskmasters, and what they were forcing at the hands of his fellow Hebrew brothers and sisters. It didn't sit too well with Moses. And there was something on the inside of him, Brother Anthony, that said, this is just not right. This is just not right. Amen. So what did he do, Brother Blue? He took a stand in the face of adversity. My Lord. Verse 26 says it like this. 
He esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. That word means he considered. He considered what it would feel like to be laughed at. Moses considered what it would feel like to be persecuted for his choice. But he made a decision. What was his decision? It's worth it. Uh Uh-oh, somebody. Moses said, it's worth it. That I would forfeit the momentary pleasures of sin in this life for eternity with God forever. Isn't that right? Isn't that what the Bible said about Jesus Christ? He bore the cross, despising the shame. It was a public humiliation for an individual to be hung on a cross, killed by crucifixion. But the Bible said that Jesus went willing to the cross. Jesus, brother Harold, in his mind was no doubt embracing this thought. If me dying would save the world, then I'll be humiliated forever. And Jesus gave his life so that humanity could be saved. Don't that turn a bucket of honey over in your soul to know that Jesus loved you that much? Moses embraced his divine destiny as a servant of the Most High God. And he valued that as greater than all the pleasures and all the wealth of Egypt. Oh, my somebody. What a great example for us to learn from in the Scriptures. Let me ask you something. If you had one day to live, where would you rather spend it? One day. If you had one day on this earth to live, where would you rather spend it? Well, automatically, some places come to our mind that we have never been. While growing up, everybody that I knew wanted to go to Hawaii. Everybody I knew wanted to go to Hawaii. Man, I just want to go to Hawaii. And then from all the accounts I've heard, when you get there, you wish you hadn't went. Because they tell me it's so expensive. that you. That, I mean, it's almost impossible to live there. But if I had one day to live on this earth, I'd rather live in God's presence than anywhere I know. Y'all ain't gonna hear me. I said I'd rather live in the very presence of God than anywhere that I know. Listen what the writer said in Psalms 84 and 10. If you had one day to live, where would you live? One day in your courts is better than a thousand. Hallelujah to God. He said, for I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Is that what Moses was saying? Moses said, I'd rather be in God's presence than anywhere I know. David David would have said the same thing. Daniel would have said the same thing. Amen. Joseph would have said, I'd rather be in God's presence than anywhere that I know of. There's nothing more fulfilling than basking in the very presence of God. 
Well, pastor, amen, with refusal comes reflection. Let me report that with reflection comes reward. Amen. I heard somebody say just the other night, I'd love, <laughs> I'd love to go back to my youth and know what I know now. You know what I said? Y'all been hanging around old people too much. Is that the truth? How many of you have ever heard your grandparents or your parents use that phrase? I've heard my grandparents use it. I've heard my mother use it. I've heard many people that were not even directly related to me use, oh my God. If I knew then what I know, things would be different. I know if you're from Robinson County, you heard that sure as day. Because we sang a song with it in our history. But life's all about experiences, isn't it? With refusal comes reflection. With reflection comes reward. Amen? Who wouldn't do some things different if they could do it all over again? All of us would. But it's sad. <laughs> you say that with a strong conviction, Brother Hunt. Yes, sir, brother. All of us in life are faced with that. If we had the time to reroute some things that we misdirected, we would do it all over again. But there's been one decision that I made in my life that I've never regretted. That's the day that I trusted Jesus for my salvation. Somebody said, preacher, since you come to know the Lord, you ain't never backslid. No, not one day. Not one day. Huh? Not since the day that I called on Jesus. Now, I wish I could stand before you and tell you that I never made any mistakes in that time. But the truth is, I made a whole heap of them. At least a bushel basket full. Hello? Somebody would say, I made a foot tub full. Come on, somebody. I made a bunch of mistakes in my life. But thank God that I got it right with Jesus. Thank God that I called on him through confession of sin and repentance. And I received forgiveness. Isn't that amazing? The Bible says in verse number 26, the latter clause of verse 26, that Moses looked to the reward. So you see, it wasn't a snap judgment decision, his refusal. No, he had rolled this thing over in his mind for quite some time. And he valued being a servant of God above being labeled as the son of Pharaoh because he understood his net worth. He understood his value. In the kingdom work of God. Man, did God not use Moses? I can't hear nobody. I said, did God not use Moses in great ways? Yes. He was the great deliverer and lawgiver to the nation of Israel. We just like Moses. God calling us and we pointing out every flaw we got. God trying to tell us he wants to use us and we trying to tell him we can't talk plain. This is what's amazing, though. Moses said to God, I got a, I got, 
Lord, I got this speech problem. God said, that's okay. I'll send Aaron to help you. I don't see one time. Follow it. Follow it in the Bible. I don't see one time where Moses and Aaron go before Pharaoh. And Aaron says, the Lord said, let my people go. But who said it? Moses said it. That's what's amazing. That he complained the whole time about his inabilities. And God said, it's okay. I'm going to send somebody to help you. And Aaron never gets the opportunity to speak for Moses. You see, Moses made this decision based on the fact he was not preoccupied with earthly wealth and the luxuriousness of this life. Moses longed for that spiritual wealth that is eternal and that will be granted in the life to come. You know what Moses did in short? He believed the promises of God. Isn't that right? He believed the promises of God. Pastor, do we all face challenges? Yes. We all face life's challenges. I'm just waiting on y'all to find it. We all face challenges in life. Somebody said, what's a challenge? Well, a challenge is something that needs great physical and mental effort in order to be done successfully. Don't you just accept the challenge when people tell you what you can't do? Or do you just succumb to it? You can tell what kind of DNA you're from if you face it or back down from it. The people of God stand in the face of adversity. They welcome challenges. And believe you me, everyone in this room today, your life is consumed with enormous challenges. From that of your family, your health, the political system in this world, and all of life's unexpected uncertainties. We are faced with those challenges every day. Well, Pastor, how do we overcome? Brother Steve, Brother Steve told us how to be overcomers. How do we overcome? Well, look beyond the challenge to the possibility. Oh, my Lord. What? what? Really? Did you just say that? Yes. How many ever heard pastors say you're not what people call you? See, y'all can finish my sentences. We've been together so long, you know me like that. You're not what people call you. You're only what you answer to. I don't believe in generational curses. I don't believe that you have to be what your daddy was. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I'm glad because my papa was a rolling stone. I'm just... Y'all got it. I'm telling y'all. Y'all been listening to Motown. But help me somebody. You don't have to be what your father was. You don't have to be what your grandfather was. You don't have to be what any family member that you have was. 
If you have a desire to be what God wants you to be. Oh, my Lord, somebody. Well, pastor, if I'm going to look beyond challenges, tell me how that I look to possibility. Well, can you define possibility um, with, with, a word that, with, with a word that's synonymous, with a word that's interchangeable? How about the word hope? How about the word hope? What does the word hope mean? It, it means it's a confident expectation. Hope is a confident expectation. What does that mean? It means brighter days are ahead. You know, my daddy used to tell me when we was walking, around, walking down them dirt roads, some of y'all don't know what soot is. But it would be so dry, that dust would come up between the forks of your toes like soot. Help me somebody. Now, some of y'all don't know anything about tobacco except for that kind that's rolled up in a pack that they package with Marlboro on it. And you put one in your mouth and light it and smoke. You don't know anything about having to harvest it, crop it, sucker it, Top it, barn it, take it off, take it to market. You don't know anything about it. But let me tell you one thing right now. I had six days a week of it when I was growing up. And just a minute that you thought you were done, then you, you know, you'd, you'd get up at 3 o'clock in the morning, take out a barn of tobacco just to go put one back in. And then you thought you was done, and Daddy'd say, we got to go to the pack house. Some of y'all be like, what, what, what was the pack house? Well, that's where you packed the tobacco down on the floor and you had to take it off hello we'd walk down those dusty dirt roads and that soot would come up between my toes and boy you talk about rusty by the end of the day my feet were rusty hello help me somebody how many know you didn't come into mama's house nasty I washed a many a day behind a set of hedge bushes and a 50 gallon drum no you didn't just say that yes I did yes I did I didn't say this, but Bill Ray did. Bill Ray said he had 14 sisters and washed in the same bath water as they did. I didn't say it, but Bill said it. If he was here, he could testify to the glory of God to it. Well, I thank God my family wasn't that big. But here's the truth of the matter. It'd be hot. That sun, Brother Joy, would be scorching down on our backs. We'd be out there, Sister Murders, doing our thing. Boy, under my breath, I'd be saying, Lord, I'm getting out of here. Whoop, hallelujah. I say, God, when I get grown, I am gone. Anybody hear me? Daddy said, I don't leave you to farm. No, no, no. Don't you leave me no farm. Because when I get grown, I am gone, Jack. And here's what Daddy would say. We're walking down that dusty dirt road. That soot coming up between our toes. And daddy would say, trouble ain't going to last always. Woo, God have mercy. Woo, have mercy. Daddy would say, it ain't going to always be like this, son. One day it's going to be better. Thank the living God. I was a grown man and married before I knew what an air condition was. You know what we did? We had a window fan. Yeah, that's right. I told my wife I loved my mama, but she made me hold a basket of clothes while she hung them out. And I was a teenager. Till I got smart. And I rigged me a contraption for her to pull alongside of her while she hung out clothes. <laughs> Woo, it ain't gonna always be like this. Oh, thank God, things are gonna be better just after a while. Aren't you glad that Moses understood that God had something better? Anybody hear me? I said, aren't you glad Moses understood that God had something better? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, there are brighter days ahead. 
I want to tell you why. Because God in his infinite wisdom, he's got a greater plan, amen, than what we see right now. A plan that is designed to grow us in him. Somebody shout praise the Lord. When I thought about this, the Spirit of God overwhelmed me in my study. And the water began to fall down my face. As I thought about the great man of God, Nehemiah. Nehemiah was born and raised in captivity. But Nehemiah heard about home. Brother Ernie, Nehemiah understood that Jerusalem was the capital of the Jews. Yeah, God. Brother Tedrick, through the ancient art of storytelling, Nehemiah heard about how blessed the Jews were at one time. Artaxerxes was the king of Persia. He looked one day after Nehemiah had conversed with Hananiah, one of his fellow brethren. He looked at Nehemiah and he said, something's wrong. He said, tell me what's troubling you. Now we're talking about a man who never knew the pleasures of the homeland. We're talking about a man who never knew what life was like in Jerusalem. But listen, listen how his heart was burdened, Brother Chance. His heart was burdened because, Brother Charlie, he knew that the city wall of Jerusalem was in ruins and that its gates were burned to the ground. So what troubled Nehemiah? Nehemiah said the city of God is laying there as a trash dump. And if the people were deported back to home, they'd have no security measures. They would be vulnerable to the attack of any outsider. They have no wall, the gates are burned. So the king looked at him, Brother Joe, and said, Nehemiah, what's troubling you? He was the cupbearer to Artaxerxes, the king of Persia. But he thought about home. And when the king said, what's wrong? He disclosed his heart. How many of you know God can even work through bad people? And God touched the heart of the king, and the king said, I'm going to let you go home. You know what happened? Anybody know the story? In 52 days, they rebuilt the wall that surrounded Jerusalem. You know why they did it? The Bible said because the people had a mind to work. They erected the wall in record time. Oh no, let me add this. Not without adversity. Not without adversity. Huh? What did the opposition say, Brother Anthony? How many know you're trying to do something good for God? You got all kind of criticism. Come on, y'all talk. I, I told y'all I was hollerback preacher. Y'all talk back to me. How many know when you're trying to do a good work for God that you're going to face opposition? What did the opposition say? Brother John, they ran by and saw them boys up there working on that wall. You know what they said? Oh, Lord. Look at that shabby mess. Here's what they said. You're, you're not too skilled in the area of craftsmanship. They looked at Nehemiah. They said, 
If a fox run across the top of it, it'll fall to the ground. But you know all that was, class? That was just a distraction. That's all it was. Why? Because they wanted nothing more than for Nehemiah to fail at his mission. The scriptures even indicate, Sister Judy, that the opposition was so heavy that they had to work with one hand on the weapon and one on a hammer. Y'all ain't getting this. They yelled out to that, they yelled out to Nehemiah. They said, man, your work's gonna come to naught. Nehemiah said, I'll tell you one thing. I'm committed to this work and I'm not coming down. And in 52 days, the wall was erected around Jerusalem. Pastor, why are you telling me all that? I'm telling you all that because not only were the walls destroyed in Jerusalem a sign of defeat, they were a sign of continuing vulnerability. Would you believe in your heart right now that there are people assembled in these four walls that are facing, that are facing adversity and on the verge of giving up? Would you believe me if I told you that? Would you believe me today as your spiritual leader, the shepherd of this congregation, if I told you that someone sitting on the same pew as you They're facing more challenges than they're letting you know. Would you believe that? And would you believe that God has called us together today so that we can stand in their place? Would you believe that? You see, Nehemiah's concern was genuine. Nehemiah wanted.